right in front of him. Crowd are looking, throws it alley. Oh! Welcome in to the Just Basketball Show for Thursday, July 27th. I'm Chris Manning. That's Brendan Clean. If you haven't already, follow us and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Five stars only. Like you did to your friend's chest in middle school, but for podcast reviews. Hit subscribe on the Just Basketball Fans YouTube channel as well. I also want to say about our friends at Homage. Homage is an ultra-comfortable specialty apparel company that uses vintage-inspired designs to pay homage to the greatest stories, traditions, and figures across sports, music, and pop culture. They offer a range of official licenses, NFL, NBA, MLB, Nickelodeon, and more, and hundreds of other unique lifestyle pop culture designs. Just not another fan teacher company. They're crafting the most soft, most nostalgic, most comfortable, most awesome clothing for sports fans, pop culture aficionados, and everyone in between, click the link below in our bot in, in the description of this podcast episode or in the link in our podcast and buy something. And some of that money comes back to support the Just Basketball Show. Do that. It'd be great. Please support the show by doing that way. Our big show today, jam-packed show. We have Candace Parker having foot surgery. We do not know how long she's going to be out, which uh, not great. But if any team could observe that, is it the Aces? We'll talk about it. We're going to talk about the slop of the week. Brennan's going to talk us through that one. He has a, a particularly sloppy, sloppy version of that. Um, I, I, you know, it's a lot of work, but I feel like I wish we could have like the sloppy steaks, like clip from I think you should leave. At or at the very least, just be. a uh, a Photoshop of the head of the person we discussed that week, or even just like. Uh, a screenshot of the paragraph of nonsense that we okay. happen to be discussing this week. It is just head coaches talking in July. I don't even understand. There's another one with Joe Missoula that we easily could have used about Derek white being the starting point guard. I'm like, who is making Joe Missoula give interviews? Let the man have a vacation. What is he doing? Speaking on July 26th about the starting point guard. Baston. Uh, we're also going to talk about speaking of Baston, we're going to talk about the Jalen Brown extension. And then we're going to have our big thrust of today is the should be traded, but won't be all stars. We have some names. I think some of them we're going to hit on. Some of them we're not going to dive into as much. Looking at our list, Brendan, we only have one overlap, which I think is kind of interesting. Why are we not going to dive into some of them? That's you're you you don't like my list. Is that? No, no, there's one on my list. I don't really want to make you talk about. Okay. All right. I was just making sure is it wasn't I, like a like I you just reviewed my list and you were like no 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 and yes or something. No, there there's two on my there's one on my list that I don't really like have a lot to say about it. Just like there's like a situation in the league that I look at more and more and I'm like ah. And then there's another guy on this list that you've talked about a lot and we've talked about and I just also just don't know where he would kick it traded reasonably. But we'll get there. All right, so let's start today with a fun bit of stuff. And that's that the NBA is going to have a game in Mexico city this year, Mm -hmm. Mexico city, which has a G league team, which by all accounts has done really well down there. And the players that have gone down there seem to, to like it. Mark Spears did a story about this at Anscape last year. Uh, November, the Hawks and the magic are going to play a game in Mexico city. This is going to be at altitude. I'm curious to see how that, what that looks like. It's like a whole other level of altitude. Um, But this is, this is further not that we really needed it, that the NBA is expanding. This is a global league now. They're going to play the, the Cavs and the Nets are going to play in Paris last this year in January. The 
Bulls and the uh, Pistons played there last season in Paris, which like weird, weird choice if you wanted to boom the French market to put those two teams there last season. But OK, are you going to I think Paris gonna... for uh, Cleveland? Do you, th- I, you making I the do trip? not make enough money. I do not have enough money to go to Paris. Would I love to? Yeah, that would be incredible. Do I have the, the funds for that? No. If someone wants to like cover, get a if, deal if, on plane tickets for a quick trip, it's not that expensive to get a to quick trip. Uh, okay. This, that's, you don't I care mean, about my the Cleveland Cavaliers. Just say that. I mean, that's you're not a fan. You don't want to cover the, the game and and your your audience should just be aware of that. It's fine. That's that's not accurate. It's just like then you got to get a hotel and like it's just a lot. It's just so if I had someone if I had someone footing the bill, we're there, you know. Um, but this, Brendan, this, this made me think. Let's talk about cities we would like to see NBA games. And I think we're going to see more places get NBA games in the future, like a one-off regular season game, that kind of stuff. Can we talk about Mexico first real quick, though? Because yeah, you're right. There are the, the Capitanes are there, and that's a team that they bought and just installed in the G League. Um, I didn't realize the elevation was so dramatic. I went to Mexico City it's, last September. Mm-hmm. Didn't feel it. Honestly, like, and I haven't oh, spent yeah, a ton of time. I mean, I didn't play sports, but, this, you know, usually. This, no, you're you're out here being like, my lung capacity is incredible. What is alta elevation? No, so you're usually all just losers with bad it. cardio. I think, yeah. uh, I think maybe what it is is the whole entire area is just, you don't, like, see mountains, you know? It, it, so it's like, maybe it is a little bit of a psychological thing, but that absolutely will be a factor for anybody trying to play sports there. I'm, I, so that was my main point. But um, I just think it's really cool that the league is is going down there and and the the sport does seem like it's growing with, with that and the fact that there was even a successful enough or established enough basketball program to be to be purchased and put in that way is is a testament. And, and that that country's national team qualified for the FIBA World Cup this year. And it's coached by Caleb Canales, who was the first Mexican-American head coach in league history back with the Portland Trailblazers once upon a time. And then he bounced around as an assistant coach. I edited a feature on him from Katie Heindel. Uh, Shout out to Katie. She's a great writer. And she interviewed Caleb about his efforts to get the team qualified for the World Cup for the first time, maybe ever, if not in a very long time. And they'll be in, in South Asia for the World Cup this year. So that one, you said Paris... Doesn't make a whole ton of sense, um, maybe based on the teams that were there and whatnot. I'm not sure if, you know, uh, the Mexico City thing is like Hawks magic and maybe not the best of the best. But, you know, anybody who can go down there and just grow the game and get people out there and everything, I think it it does make a lot of sense. I would not be surprised if we see more of that. The Suns and Spurs played uh, preseason games down there a couple years in a row. So it's been a, a priority for the league for a long time. Um and again, this this is an expansion possibility. I don't know if this is going to be team thirty one or thirty two. Yeah, but I don't think it's like out of the. I don't think it's out of the question. If I were an NBA team and I was thinking creatively as an ownership about, you know, opportunities to make money, expand, get my name out there, grow the brand, I would absolutely be trying to buy that team from the league. I think it's league run right now. I'm not sure if the league is super mm-hmm. interested in selling because it. I think it's a nice thing for them to be able to take ownership of but i would be trying that for sure it is it does seem like it would be a pretty smart thing to do the problem is it's really far for like the northeast so 
unless there's a big schedule change, it, it is a little hard. Like I, I, in Phoenix, it was a four and a half hour flight Southeast for me. And I'm about as far South, you know, outside of like San Antonio as you could possibly get. So that's tough. Um, but yeah, I mean, what other cities did you have in mind outside of the, these two that they've done and they've done, what are they Abu Dhabi in the preseason, right? That's happening. Yeah, they did that last year. I think you'll see those for preseason games. The travel for those is just more extreme. So I, I think there's a couple ways to look at this. I think Japan, like somewhere in Japan, Tokyo, Kyoto, like somewhere in that region would be really cool from like a cultural standpoint. I think Australia from a cultural standpoint would be cool for preseason. I th- those are like travel lengths that I think make regular season much more difficult. They do Not have the like Australian teams a- that have been coming to the U.S. for preseason too. So that's that's yes. another little aspect of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um but I think you go to like big European cities. Like I think Paris is like an obvious one. I think like Barcelona or Madrid would be layups, right? Like you pick a team that has one of the really great Spanish players on it, get Ricky Rubio there before his career ends in Barcelona. And like, you're going to do, you're going to do numbers. You got to book for the market a little bit. Um, I think I'm like a little bit surprised Victor Wembenyama is like not in this game as a rookie. Cause I think it just would have been insane, but it, like, he should be a lock for that every year beyond this. Honestly, like whatever team he's on should just be playing in Paris, if I'm being honest. Um, if I want, if so, I was gonna, I'd be like Barcelona, Madrid. I think somewhere in England would be cool, just because it's like London. You could do London and say like, hey, we had a game in London. That's a really cool thing to do. Um, I, th- you know, I, I think it, in in if I was gonna dream like a big one that I don't think is that realistic, I'm going somewhere in Eastern Europe where Luca, like in in Serbia, in. We're Lithuania somewhere in that region, yeah. Because of all the exports you have in there, like put a game in, put a game in Belgrade, put a game in um, Budapest. Like let's let's get a game in that region where all these greats have come from in the last twenty thirty years. Since Picker, we have some great guys from there now. Having the Spurs play in France feels like a layup with Victor. Now, Book though. for the market. Book for the market. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, all good suggestions. I'll throw out like, and I don't know anywhere near enough about the culture of, of Africa to know what the best cities would be, but somewhere like Dakar, uh, Senegal, which there are a lot of Senegalese basketball players that have come through. That is a, a, mm-hmm. a country that's kind of on the map there. And it's the closest to our coast that you can basically can get I, something in Africa I, with but- how much the league has put in to the basketball Africa league and the uh, NBA Africa camps and Masai Ujiri's work over there and everything like that, that seems inevitable that we will start to see actual NBA stuff happening over there more often. Here's what I, here's what I would wonder that this is purely speculative and kind of based on what it seems like the UFC might do in going to Africa. I wonder if they might go to like South Africa first, which is very loaded. There's a lot, there's a lot going on with that. Mm Mm-hmm historically and and whatnot um yeah it could easily be that um what did you think this is also johannesburg exactly and it's uh you know a a little bit more comfortable let's say right um but and they might have the arena like honestly like they're gonna have they want to go somewhere they have twenty five thousand, thirty thousand modern arenas Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you kind of it's kind of a must uh what did you think of Jokic not playing in the world cup by the way this is a off the beaten path but you mentioned eastern europe he's not going to be playing for serbia in the world cup because he said he's just exhausted and physically beaten up and doesn't want to deal with it fine i have no qualm with that honestly like it sucks i get it if this was soccer this would be like an international scandal but um 
international basketball doesn't matter as much as like, does it surprise you that it doesn't does. for him though because it is he is from a country a where it's not exactly like they've just been you know filling uh you know storage rooms with trophies over the years yes but yes but it's also if there's ever a time where i would understand him feeling just run into the ground it's right now so i get it it's just it, what was interesting to me about it is he it signals that as much as we all joke about him not caring about some of the things that modern superstars care about in, in the NBA or that he just wants to get home and he you know, all the, the memes and jokes that were uh, obviously exaggerated. And he's, I think, more intentionally funny than he gets credit for. But like that, he does care about yes. winning an NBA championship quite a bit because he got that. And that felt like the thing that he could breathe a sigh of relief after not okay, I did that little thing. Now lo- now go let me do what I want to really achieve. And he's never gotten a World Cup anything. So I guess I did anticipate this would matter at least equally to him as an NBA trophy, but it seems like it doesn't because he's already like 30 years old. He, he might not really do it again in four years, you know? And there's the Olympics next year. Maybe he will then, but it's interesting. He might have missed his, ch- his best chance, you know? Yeah, especially considering the, the American... Um, team just like is like the you would expect the Olympic team might be a little bit deeper mm-hmm. or better than the team we have at the World Cup. So we'll see. All right, let's move on to Candace Parker. Um, well, did I actually did I skip your cities? Do you have do you have a city? I said the Africa. I ones. feel rude in there. Okay. Do you have nowhere else? Just that I the other one I would say Brennan is like Brazil or like Argentina. Like go South America because that would be doable flight wise. And you have like Argent like imagine playing a game in Buenos Aires and like have Manu yeah. like as the as the MC of the event. Be Those cool. are really long flights, and I do think that the sport's not as big there. So I would think Europe and, and Africa probably bigger priorities, and Asia, which they already do that too. Yeah, the the Japan preseason one to me seems like late. But again, I do think you'll see Middle East stuff. Like you're telling me the Wizards aren't going to play in Qatar. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> they're going to play in Qatar. All right, Candace Parker. The future Hall of Famer, the Aces forward, is out indefinitely after going under, uh, undergoing successful foot surgery on her on a fractured foot. She had apparently been playing with this the entire season um, and needed the surgery to protect her long-term health. In a statement on her Instagram, she wrote that she's been playing with the fracture all season, tolerating the pain, but after consulting with doctors, the only option to be healthy again and avoid further injury was elect for surgery. I'll rehab and work my way towards being as healthy as soon as possible for my teammates, for my circle, for my family, for myself. Brennan, she's averaging 9.5.4 rebounds, 3.7 assists, 1.5 steals. I think she's certainly elevated and been a big part of the aces. But she's got two months to be back. I, I don't really think of this as a massive issue for the aces it's a it's a it's a blow because it's candace parker but they're kind of built to absorb this so you're anticipating she'll be back i kind of felt reading the tea leaves I, I of how know. things were were worded that even the aces statement which basically said the same thing but just the fact that nobody is jumping to a timetable or anything like that and sort of emphasizing the pain level and, and the the future mindedness of getting this surgery, all that stuff. I don't know. It, it did have me she worried. Looks, this might be a season ending type of thing for her. I, I wouldn't guarantee she is 37. Like this is an older player who has miles on her. 
all that stuff. They and again, I, I this certainly made this maybe opens the door a little bit for the Liberty, it, it, more than anything else. I just think, like, if any team is going to absorb it, it's a team that has Asia Wilson, Chelsea Gray, Jackie Young, and Kelsey Plum, and Kia Stokes playing pretty well in the minutes with those other four. Yeah, so the 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 starting lineup with Stokes, those four stars in Stokes, is plus 28 net rating this year. Very good. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, I think you're I think you're overestimating just how much they're going to waltz through with no big deal. They're not a deep team and especially at that spot. So it's like even if Stokes is good enough, which she's always been kind of a controversial player, uh just not like anything <laughs> off the court, but just in terms of how valuable she really is, I think she's done a good job as just sort of a screen and roll player and rebounder there, but there's nothing behind her effectively and she's an exploitable I mean, if you're talking about the Liberty, she will have to guard John Quill Jones, who just won Player of the mm-hmm. Week and is finally breaking out. And we should, she's just uh, which, a bench which, player to me. So we should. I, I I'll be at Aces Liberty uh, next a week from Sunday. Very excited about that. When we talk about that, can we talk about the Commissioners Cup? I think we need to like carve out time to talk about John Quill Jones this season. You've had some really good points when we've talked about this privately that I think we'll need to bring to, to the listeners, to our viewers, but continue. No, that's, that's my point. I, I think Stokes is, even if she's passable enough and they keep winning with her, I think that she is not a, a surefire thing. They traded Erica Hamby in order to fit Candace Parker on their roster. So they swapped out one for one. You know, there's nobody that's just going to slide in there. And you look at like some of their other lineup options, if they were to put Alicia Clark in uh in that five player unit then they are only plus eight and one of their other better bench players kirsten bell who is like a swiss army knife kind of zero offensively but maybe developing on that end and really just a defender and kind of energy player that that group has not played any minutes with her as the fifth player uh raquana williams just went through some criminal stuff today that came to light. So she is not Uh expected to play the rest of the season for this team. So this was already a team that played seven or eight players most nights and they just lost one of them. So I think it's pretty significant. I think it is significant. I'm not trying to say it's not significant. I just kind of think the team that is already like, like has the upper level talent. I just kind of think they, and Becky Hammond coaching, I just kind of think if any team is going to figure this out, it's going to be them. If any team, it's, it's because. Yeah. I would like a, because because you're just, you just keep saying it's going to work out. That's not an argument. Okay. That's fair. I think this, I think this has a, I think this can be fine for them because of the start talent. I, I think because you have Asa Wilson, because you have Kelsey Plum, because you have Chelsea Gray, because you have Jackie Young, because of the stars you have, because of the stars they have, I think like there's just enough going on there at the upper, upper level that I think they'll, like, they can get through this. It's not going to make it easier, but I think that upper level talent is so good and the coaching is so good that the Aces are got to still be the favorites to win the title. I, I think that's just where I'm at with it. I think it's more likely today with this injury that the Liberty or someone else win the title, like the, the number on the field has a little more like attraction as a, mm-hmm. as a bet now, let's say, mm-hmm. but the aces should still be the favorite. That that's, that's just where I'm at with it. I think there is more of room for someone to slide in. Stewie goes nuclear in the finals. 
New York Liberty, you're, you're world champions. But mm-hmm. I, I still think that the Aces have to be the favorite because of the upper, upper echelon talent. Sure, I worry about the rebounding, and I think the Liberty were already uh, one of the advantages that they had, if you even took it seriously, that they could could win this year was their depth. And so that just got exacerbated. Uh, we'll have to see. Again, they've been without Candace for a, a while already and have, have not lost a game. Um, a, a, that plus 28 net rating for the Stokes Stokes and Stars lineup, let's call it, is is great evidence that they're going to be able to keep winning. It is more of a playoff concern for me than it is about their place in the standings or anything like that. On the Candace side, I mean, next season would be year 17 for her. Uh, she's on a one-year contract, already took a pay cut to come here. It would be hard if I'm the if I'm Vegas and I know that this is a potential long-term rehab process or something that could ail her in the future. And we don't know that, but if it is that it would be a question mark for me, if I'm able to use a roster and salary spot on her, knowing how significant these depth concerns are going to be their whole core is locked in. So maybe that's overstated, but I would be a little bit questioning it. Um, I think this is her best place to continue to win if she wants to continue her career, but this would it's going to be interesting to see what where this leaves her with how she views her future. It would be a, also a pretty bad way to go out, though. So it's not an easy answer. No, and look, she is at the she's closer to the end than the beginning. Now we we knew that coming into this year. Anytime you're at this age playing and you've played as much as she has, I mean, we've seen this with LeBron. We've seen this with how many NBA guys. We've seen this how many other WNBA stars. Like you get to your late thirties, you're just not the same, and the injury risk is higher. I mean. You see this in your market, like Diana Taurasi isn't like not nearly the same anymore. And that just happens when you get older and you play as much as they have. Like it does just over time, this does just catch up to you to some way. It's inevitable that something like this might just happen. Um, but I, it was clear that she showed a lot to contribute and offer and, and if when she was healthy this year. So that's kind of the bummer more than anything else. Um, if you were to pick today, are you, would you still pick them to win it? Yeah, I would. But I think things are trending in an interesting direction and it makes for a better season. Honestly, I mean, that's a kind of a gross thing to say after a player gets injured, but it may it's going to make the aces human. And I hope she's able to get back on the court, like you said, but uh, it at least makes them beatable in a way that I don't think they were if they were going to be fully healthy. I even with the Liberty playing a little better lately, I still don't didn't feel like they were going to be able to to go blow for blow, whereas you take one of the better players on this Vegas team away and of course things get a lot closer so uh, I'm excited to see the 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 three matchups that they all that they play all in a row uh, in a couple weeks here should be a, a great measuring stick slop of the week time Brennan let's do it talk us through this let's go <laughs> so again this is uh, NBA coaches speaking in late July for Lord knows what reason I genuinely don't even know what the instance of why Nick Nurse was talking to media when he gave this quote, but the quote is about Paul Reed. Uh, he, uh, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. It is not coaches speaking. It is Paul Reed speaking about something that Nick Nurse told him. I got my mind all thrown off because of the Joe Missoula thing that I was going to use as slap of the week. He talked about molding me into a Pascal Siakam type player is the quote from Paul Reed about what Nick Nurse told him. Somebody who can kind of do it all. Shoot the ball, drive, pass, but right now it's all about focusing on my shot mechanics. Is Paul Reed the next Pascal Siakam? 
All if, NBA if Paul Reed coming up, coming up. B-ball Paul for second team All NBA this year. What do you think? Should should the Atlanta Hawks trade for B-ball Paul? We'll talk about that coming up next. Yeah, why it's okay that Joel Embiid might ask out. Diamond in the rough waiting there right behind him. What did you think of the Reed contract in general? We didn't really talk about it. $8 million. I loved how he said he didn't ever want to go to Utah, and he was really thankful that the Sixers matched. Uh, Yeah, I I think it's fine for him. He's 24. There's two non-guaranteed years in it. Um, So, like, you can kind of, like... Okay, so here this is the this is actually this is actually the most interesting part of the contract, and this is just Danny Ainge just really sticking a needle in it. Twenty twenty four twenty twenty five is non guaranteed. It is all it is fully guaranteed if the if by one if the seventy sixers win their first round playoff series this year or one ten twenty five. So if the Sixers like make it to the second round, Paul Reed has seven million dollars guaranteed. I don't think I've ever seen that before in a contract. But that's incredible needling a team that you might want to like vulture for stuff if Joel Embiid doesn't get what he wants. You know what I mean? Like it is that's just like incredible chicanery in a contract. But it's like fine. Like it's that's like well below mid level value for a guy that I think can be like a pretty good backup center. Um, and like I, I, it that's like a fine value for someone that I think probably you'd expect to get better 24, 25, 26. I thought like he played it's, really it's well for him. In the playoffs when Embiid had to go out and then even when he was just backing mm-hmm. Embiid up, I think he acquitted himself pretty well. I think that's probably why they ended up bringing him back. I don't. I think if he doesn't have those moments, he's probably a member of the Utah Jazz, I guess. I don't know. But the idea also, that he's he going to develop the perimeter skill to, to be... Pascal Siakam is is just kind of hilarious. It feels like well, Nick Nurse well, just playing like pass player Mad Libs. It's like, sure, buddy, you're Pascal Siakam just tapping him on the shoulder. The funniest also part about this is that he said that he didn't think they were going to match it because it's like I saw and they saw Trez and Bamba and his agent was like, they're not likely to match it. And then I was real surprised, he said, when the Sixers match it. So like, but look, I, I don't know what that is supposed to mean. And also, is it what version of... What version of Pascal Siakam is he referring to? I guess is my other question here. Is this like LeBron, like 2018 LeBronto era Siakam where he was like defending and playing the four and like doing all kinds of helpful stuff on defense and, and filling in on offense and there was tapping into that potential as much as you could? Or is it like last year, year before, year before that, like all NBA-ish level Pascal Siakam who's making like a ton of money and is going to want a max now. I like, mean, the quote is all about it? offense. It says shoot, drive, and pass. So it sounds like, I mean, but is the, but, maybe but that not also, the that offensive also, hub version of Siakam, but that, at yeah, least. That, that sounds like 2018 Siakam who was like shooting and like getting some post-ups and stuff, but it's like, it sounds crazy. Nick Nurse could absolutely be like talking out of his butt a little bit there. Well, of course. I mean, he's a new guy trying to ingratiate himself with a, a new team. But um, one also of my just like we're we're playing we're playing phone we're playing like um, I can't remember the name of the game because of my brain is just goop apparently. But it's like we're playing like telephone. We're, we're talking. Yeah, it's like it's we're like this. Yeah, we're playing telephone with quotes from Nick Nurse here, and like I can't wait for someone to ask him about this and how yeah. he answers it because like. The, one of the first questions in media day from like Kyle Newbeck or Keith Pompey or, or someone else in that media core should be like, so what, what, hey, uh, 
Hey Nick, uh, Kyle Newback from the from the Philly Voice here. What do you what? Why did Paul Reed makes you think he's like Pascal Siakam? Like I just like there's like there's your question, and I just want to see what the answer would be to that. I agree, it should be asked because it would be funny content. Um, with all due respect, I think uh, there's a lot of other stuff going on in Philadelphia that will probably get top billing in the first press conference that they are able okay. to uh, ask about. Okay, last <laughs> it would la- be kind last of question. A big troll if one of those guys was like. Okay, so Joel Embiid just asked out, but more pressingly, um, there was a quote about the Siakam Reed comparison. Could you elucidate on that, Mister Nurse? Like that would be uh, okay. First, hilarious. first, after you spend your whole presser at training camp asking about how what James Harden's weighing in at, then you can after media day, after the first practice, you can be like, "Hey, Paul Reed, what's what's going on there? What's the what's the what's the vibes?" So I have more on the Sixers uh, later in the show as a little bit of a tease there. But I looked up the last part of this that actually does intrigue me, thinking of different ways that Reed can impact the team and the fact that they are paying decent money for a backup to a super maxed out MVP player is Paul Reed playing the four. Um, They played 10 minutes together all of last year, according to playbyplaystats.com. In the regular season, I, I doubt they played together in the playoffs. 10 minutes minus 31 net rating. I'm going to look at the playoffs. They played zero minutes together in the playoffs. I don't I don't particularly see Reed as that type of player, but I guess there's a world in which that money could be a little better spent if he's able to do that. I just, I mean, look, his three-point numbers are, uh, even if he says that he wants to shoot under Nick Nurse, he has attempted 23s in his NBA career and made 15% of them. So great story. Love the nickname. Excited for his uh, continued development, but I think Siakam might be setting him up for disappointment. I think Nick Nurse needs to do better. Stop lying to his players. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. That's... Uh, that's Coaches, honestly, Brendan, I'm going to swerve on this for you. I think they should just talk all July. Give me the weirdest stuff possible so I can just think about weird things that people are saying in July. Yeah, Joe Mazzulla just, uh, he he had, I, I didn't read the specific quote about the Brogdon White thing, but there was something about like taking the necessary steps to integrate him back into the team after they nearly traded him. And I'm like, yeah, it's not that serious. Players get almost traded all the time. I think Malcolm Brogdon, who is like this fourth best player, sixth best player on their team is it's like, Hey, come to workouts. There you go. You're reintegrated. It's not like soccer teams haven't been okay. Soccer teams, soccer teams haven't been, have been doing this for years. Yeah. Hakeem Ziyech with Chelsea was supposed to go to PSG and got paperwork sent in too late and had to continue to play for them after all of that. And then PSG didn't even want him afterward. They should Paul Reed or, Anybody, Malcolm Brogdon, anyone worried about their role in the middle of July should call like 15th men on a big time European soccer team and ask them what life is like being an undesirable. <laughs> Chelsea's in the United States right now, Brendan, your team. And I uh, think about how many guys are just like, can I get out of here and go somewhere else? Like, so I can play. Do we have too many people like Connor Gallagher is just like out here. Like, what am I doing here? Yep. You know how many? I can't wait to send you so many preseason Chelsea updates when I see them on Sunday. Very excited. I about mean, that. the owner of your team just got indicted, Chris. So I would maybe hey, hey, hey. cool it on the <laughs> look, sending me look. nonsense about my team. No, I'm not even nonsense. I was oh. like, you have my soccer dad as your coach. I was being genuine. But yes, Tottenham owner, 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. I thought you were going to, I thought you were because, like prefacing no. your trash talk. And I was like, I would, no. I would hold back on the no. trash talk when your owner is literally going to go to prison. <laughs> no, he's not going to go to prison. They never go to prison. Uh, but look, when you're, when a team owner gets indicted by the Southern district of New York and he lives on, technically lives on a yacht. Like what are we, what's going Chelsea on? Chelsea went through that not too long ago, basically. So, I mean, you know, I do love the, the chant they made for top uh, for Venice Balashili when he's like went to France in a Lamborghini. It's great. I we need chance in basketball. We need more of your honestly. singing We're on not, the pod going forward. I think. No, we we don't need any. We don't need any singing on the pod for me. That's that's never something we need. I just hear those and it, it brings me life that we need like NBA chance about uh, particularly about the European guys. I feel like it's that just like a missed opportunity. Nah. NBA chance yeah. should player chance should definitely be a thing. Like okay, I'm just gonna here's this is just gonna be Chris's like aug, like almost August like NBA fan like hot take corner here. It's okay. not a thing, but it is for right now. I think it's a failure. I actually think NBA crowds are often kind of bad because there's so much pumped in music yes. and it's not actually crowds. It's just like bullshit. Mm-hmm. These aren't crowds. That's like that's like that's like Jack Harlow playing in the crowd. Like we we need actual chance and fan engagement, not like. Yes a DJ spinning music. Like, what are we doing here? We don't need gimmicks. We need fans like invested in the clubs. Like that would actually be cooler. Like you get more creativity and engagement from fans at often at MLS games and you do a lot of NBA crowds. Just saying. Yes. And I would say even the NFL does it a little better. I would personally yeah. say. Yeah. Cause there's just like a tailgate culture. Even in, yeah. even in stadium, you know, it's like, yeah, there's just a lot of screaming and, the PA announcer will will break in with you know the down and distance in a really dramatic way to let you know to to get hyped up. But other than that, there's not a lot of pumped in anything. But it's okay. Our sport doesn't have diehard fans. We gotta do something about that ourselves. That's what we're here for. That's right. Uh, let's get some chance going. Um, I think we need to get more creative. If the if the Brits can do it, we can do it. Okay. Anyway. Jalen Brown. Brendan, Jalen Brown's getting paid quite a bit of money. This is not a surprise. It finally got done. He came back from a trip in, in Europe, I believe. And Spain, yep. That man in Spain. And that man is now going to be getting paid a Supermax. So $304 million. It, will, it is currently the richest contract in the league. It won't be for long. We're going to keep seeing more and more and more of these massive supermaxes for certain cases. Jason Tatum, his teammate in particular, is going to be making so much money. Brendan, look, I this is this is what I, I want to say, kind of speak out of the two sides of my mouth on this a little bit. I think it's kind of you have to on a deal like this. On one hand, they had to do this. You, this is what you pay your really good players to keep them. This is what you pay guys you, despite some flaws, is a very good player, is impactful. I think by some of the the nerd, the uber nerdy community is underrated in certain ways. I think this is a a, a thing you do. On the other hand, it's going to be hard for any player at Jalen Brown's level. I think even upper, upper above this. I think it's going to be really hard for any one of these players to always live up to the to the money on some of these deals. Some of these money um, the money on these deals is crazy, right? Some of the money on these deals is but just so high that it's going to be hard. It's been, it, why is it any different for him to live up to a 35% max than it was for somebody five years ago who signed a super max to live up to theirs? It's the just because it's more... I, 
It's just because it's more. It's just because it's more. It's three hundred and four. It's three hundred and four million dollars. That's that's why. That's why. I I think that like when you and like so there's a ringer piece about this where it's like uh, Wiggins. Wiggins Wiggins is going to make fifty four point five in twenty twenty four twenty twenty five and twenty five twenty six. Do you mean Jalen Brown? That's half. No, I'm saying the. Oh, this is a point of comparison making. Wiggins is going to. Well, Andrew Wiggins hasn't signed that a contract like that yet. So I don't know what you mean. No, he has a contract. Does he not have a... No. Does he not have a contract with 24, 25, and 25, 26? If not, this piece is incorrect. Are you saying 56 million combined? Yeah, I'm oh, saying 54.5 okay. over those... Yeah, yes. he's making 54.5 over 24, 25, and 25, 26. Brown is going to make 109 million over those two years. The mm-hmm. numbers for some of these really big deals are just going to be so high that I think you're just going to see... Like I just think it's going to get harder to live up to some of these deals because of the numbers. Why. It's not about the cap percentage to some degree. That's how it's going to be spun. I just think the numbers are so high that it gets harder and harder to kind of like fully maximize some of what they are to some degree. I, that's just where I think we're at. Yeah, I guess I just... Five years ago... If you had two players on 35% super maxes on the same team, like let's say when James Harden and Russell Westbrook ended up on the Rockets together, you know, they had cheap Clint Capella, cheapish Eric Gordon, you know, some young guys, not a lot of depth. Robert Covington gets traded there and you're kind of just scrounging around. Like that became cost prohibitive for them. This will become cost prohibitive for the Celtics. I don't really think it's any worse now. I think the problem that I think is really truly as much as I agree that you draw the line in the sand here of you either give Jalen Brown the contract that he's owed and and eligible to get based on his own accomplishments, which is the important part here. He got all NBA second team like this is not just some random thing. uh, That happens because of how long he's been in the league or this and that he earned it because he he had an amazing season. He was really, really, really good last year. So unless you're going to give not, you're either going to give him that contract or you're going to trade him is my point. So I get why you do it. But as much as that's true, like I went back and looked and I brought this up in the last podcast, but I wanted to remember the details. Blake Griffin. He signed a supermax mm-hmm. at age 28. So two year, like one and a half years older than Jalen is right now in July, 2017. And of course, we all remember, got traded six months later for Tobias Harris, Avery Bradley, a first round pick and a second round pick. So I understand that the value stuff is a little different now than it than it was then. But is Jalen going to have more or less trade value when he's tw- 27 upcoming midway through this year, the first year after he signed his extension, than Blake Griffin was then? Like, do you think the Celtics could do better if if next summer they underperform or he gets upset or the money gets to be a problem and they have to pivot and trade Jalen Brown on this contract? Can they get better than two, you know, youngish role players and a first round pick? That's what the Clippers got for Blake Griffin. Is it going to be better or worse than that? I think maybe better just because he's not the injury concern. That that's that's the differentiator there to me because Blake already had real injury concerns when he got that contract. And you would say the same thing about John Wall, right? I mean, that's yeah, that's what happened with him. Yeah. It's it's going to be interesting to me as these continue because like one of the guys I'm going to I think we both have on our should be traded list that we can get to in a second 
is is already on one of these super maxes. Um, you know, the Suns pivot chip, if it ever were to come to it, is Devin Booker, who's on a super max and trading him to reset things if it, if it ever got that bad. Like what the value is of these players who are at the very least like reasonably paid, but by the end of the contract, probably overpaid. Maybe Bradley Beal is the example. I know he had the no trade clause, but like what would Bradley Beal have even gotten if he didn't have a no trade clause? How much would the Wizards yeah. have gotten back for him? I mean, maybe at least one first and then, you know, like, or a better player than they got, right? Like you would, you would think just because he wasn't dictating as much, but it's, it is a lot of money. And I, 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 but I, here's the other part of it that I, that I think is kind of part of this. that isn't like a team building thing or like a cap thing. I think the part of the numbers we're going to see now are going to be figures. Owners are going to be more hesitant to pay at times. I just think we're in going to be in that space with some of these, like you're going to have some owners that are just not going to want to do some of this or pay some of this. That's okay. Like I, I like if there's certain guys you don't want to pay it for, I don't think that's like an unreasonable thing where you want to absorb some of these. Right. Um, and I, and I wonder too, if we start seeing a middle ground, I wonder too, if like this hasn't how it's been worked lately, the, the contracts have been, you give the guy with the mag, if he's really good, the maximum what he's owed and you just, you celebrate the win of it. But let, let's use Darius Garland as an example here. Let's say when he, he's just about to kick in his five, he's, he's just starting his five-year rookie max, the, the, the fun max, right? As Wendy calls it. When he gets to his next deal, heading into his late 20s, into his 30s on that deal, let's say he's really good, but he's, and, he, and he makes some all-NBA teams, he's super max eligible. Like, I could see a world where, like, you, you, tr- you have to thread the line of... Hey, this guy's really good. We don't know if he's super max good. Can you thread the needle between the normal max and the super max and still find happy parties where these some of these numbers get a little bit lower, especially when you have to consider the second apron? Like we are in the second apron world now as well. Like this is just, just complicating a lot of this, I think, for some of these teams. I think the, I think these deals are just are Here's how I put it. I think the Supermax deals that we're going to see given out are complicating an already complicated salary cap environment for teams to navigate. Yeah, I think the only real difference, even hearing you go through all that, is the second apron. Because a lot of what you're describing has always been the case. I mean, Blake Griffin, to continue with that analogy, like he got cut. He got bought out on the last year of his Blake Blake Griffin, of his Supermax contract. You know, and Russell Westbrook just had the same thing happen. James Harden luckily was able to keep it going a little longer than those guys. But the history of it's not great. John Wall, obviously like the biggest cautionary tale of all, mostly because of the fluke injuries and everything. But like the, the, the risk of giving people so much of the cap has always been there. And these deals have not gone well, period. I mean, it wasn't that long ago when the the worst of the worst of all this was going on, like pre COVID that, you know, like I remember Haley O'Shaughnessy at the Ringer wrote a really long piece about like, did the NBA like disastrously screw this whole Supermax thing up? These players are still mm-hmm. getting traded. They're not even staying on their teams, which is supposed to be the point, right? If they're great and loyal, they get rewarded for it and their team is able to offer them more than other teams are. But then they get traded anyway. And and then these guys were getting hurt and the value is bad and everything else. I think we're a little bit away from that now, but the risk has always been there. I think that the Boston thing that they have to worry about. And the new part of all of this is the second apron. But I think that teams, to me, honestly, like I feel like the risk of the 
second apron is going to be palatable before long. I think that teams are going to just understand that it's just another one of the costs of, of pursuing a championship. Unless you get lucky and you have a player great enough to win with a weaker supporting cast, or you just are good enough early enough in the players' careers, kind of like the Warriors were, you're just going to have to pay this and you're going to have to deal with the second apron and you're going to have to pay the significant luxury tax like you have seen teams always do. Like I I don't actually know if the second apron is going to be something that dramatically changes the top of the top of the league, even if the league wants it to. Yeah, I, I, I will admit, I might just have sticker shock on some of these numbers, Brendan. I really just might, because these numbers are, are huge. Yeah, but uh, like, the Suns got sold. The, no, forget the Suns. The Charlotte Hornets just got sold for $3 billion. So, I know. I mean, I'm what, just what saying we're these, talking about yeah. is just like a NWO here, you know? <laughs> The numbers are just getting crazy. I think it's just I'm I'm I think I am just not used to how big these numbers have gotten. Well, as you said to start it off, it's gonna it's the first of many, so get used to it, I guess. Yeah, and look, I should be used to some of it considering like I'm a like a soccer fan who just like was reading how much Kylian Mbappe was getting offered by like Saudi Arabia, and it's like the price of for these athletes is getting really, really high. And I'm glad for them because like Jalen Brown making $300 million is great for Jalen Brown. Like, independent of everything else I we have said or talked about. Like, that's a win for Jalen Brown. He made, he's, he's, even if that's whatever the tax rate is in that, that guy is still making, like, more money than I'm going to see in my lifetime, you know? <laughs> he already did when he was a rookie, <laughs> but yes. But, I, but, but like, this is, but this is, like, you can, be like, this is, this is, like, another tier of that. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, you know, I've, of course I'm, I'm, for the most part, if they're part of an industry that's generating this much money, then they should see their cut of it. That, has, that hasn't changed, but it is it is huge. We'll see what happens. Uh, to transition us to the should-be-traded-but-won't-be All-Stars, do you think of Jalen Brown as somebody... He's not on either of our teams, as I can see from our outline, but did you think about putting him on here? Did He was the inspiration for me bringing this idea to the table. I don't have him on my list, but did you think about it? No, I did not. I kind of think I if you have him in Tatum, that's still just such a strong position to build from. And they've made two finals and or made like made a finals and almost made another one second in a row. Like, I just kind of think like you don't rush that you try to do other stuff, which they're obviously trying to do with the smart, smart trade and everything. So I'll start us off then, because my one of mine, my first one is a little bit of a version of what trading Jalen Brown would be. And it's something I actually wish te- wish teams would do more of which is to trade players early in their careers and f- and flip things over in order to keep the longest title window open for their superstar player which is Tyrese Maxey. Okay, this is this is this is the one Brendan that I I think I most disagree with on your it's your Great. It's the one I I just I'm just not I'm not on board with this. Okay. So I think you I'll, make the case first. Yeah, though. what I'll start off by saying is, Tyrese uh, Max is on his way to becoming a like a fringe All Star, if not an All Star caliber player. I think everything you would look at would tell you he's right there. You know, probably needs to get better as a finisher, but is a lights out shooter. Does get to the free throw line. He had a nearly three to one assist to turnover ratio last year. So those are all positive things. He's like twenty four years old, right? He's he's on the trajectory to be great. But I think for the Sixers specifically. To me, he's best used in a trade that gets you someone even better than that. More ready to win right now with Joel Embiid in his prime, coming off of an MVP season, than trying to let perfect be the enemy of good. 
with all these ideas around, well, we'll we'll wait on his extension and then we'll get cap space and he'll still be the third or fourth best player on our team, but it'll be cost affordable and all this stuff. Turn Tyrese Maxey into a player who can win a championship with Joel Embiid, which I don't think Tyrese Maxey can do right now. I agree with your premise. I just kind of think you need him and the other guy. And optimally, like, I like I don't know how much better they are if it's like him and Dame. If it's like Embiid and Dame versus like Matt. Like, and the, you have the window consideration as well. Like You have to think about the long-term health of your franchise a little bit here. This is... This is a guy that if you could if you could have done this a little bit before this and kept Harden, I would have been like, sure, I could I could see that a little bit more. But I think your infrastructure, if you're them, is so vulnerable that I wonder. I, I think getting rid of him in any way right now is a very hard pill to swallow unless you're bringing back like a ton of stuff that really is going to get you to a place where it's like you got a coaster and you have the depth you need to make a run. Because remember, this team isn't maybe just going to lose Harden. Yang's gone. You know, Tobias Harris is the last year of his contract. Like this isn't a team that's exactly like brimming with. Like, like talent in their prime right now. Maxi's in his way into his prime, and there's a lot of value in that. There is some volatility in that. You can't have some up and downs in that. You know, we know that progress is not always the straight trip to the moon, right? Like you're going to have some bumps. Certainly, there's defensive concerns with Maxi as well. But I, I'm, I would get real scared to trade Tyrese Maxi um, right now if I'm Philly. So he had a negative defensive estimated plus minus last year. Um, to your point, he's six two. What precedent is there for someone who's 6'2", 200, and not a point guard, most notably? Although I did point out the assisted turnover stuff. He is a good passer, but I just don't quite think he's Chris Paul or anything out there, you know, which sure. is obvious. That guy's never been the second best player on a championship team, especially sure. in an era where everybody's big, you know, and, and the league is getting more versatile positional sizes at a premium and all these different things. like. I hear you that maybe the, what they could turn Maxi into isn't good enough, but I actually do think the team would be significantly better. If you're saying a world where James Harden is not part of this equation, no matter what, and you're saying who should the second best player on this team be Tyrese Maxi or Damian Lillard. Come on. The team's way better with the second option. It would, it would be what else I think you could do with like Tobias Harris and all these other things to figure it out. That would Keep really, them. really, really, I mean, they were in the conference. Think, they all were, were, were one win away from the conference finals with that exact team with Harden in, in the place. So you're turning Harden and Maxi into Damian Lillard. And that is a little bit of, you know, of course, that when you factor the Harden piece into it, that matters. But you still have Tobias Harris. You still have the Anthony Melton and PJ Tucker and everybody. B ball Paul, future Pascal Siakam. Yeah, I guess you do have Pascal Siakam at $7 million a year, then you're fine. Um, I'm okay, not more minimal you. to I'm the, not selling you. You're you kind of are. It's just like I am a big maxi guy. And I would be really scared to dump that and and the the risk there to me is just high. There there's a risk there that I have a hard time calculating and and telling you exactly what it is. Yeah, I, th- I don't think they will do it. I can see the case for not doing it. I just think Tyrese Maxey is probably a three or a four on a championship team. And if you have a chance to turn him... He is a three. To turn him plus something else into a, a you know, 1A or a high level two, then I would do it. And I just think um, they have an opportunity with a few different possibilities right now to do that. And they've just made it very clear that they're not going to, which is a surprise to me. But who's your first uh, SBTBWB all-star? <laughs> 
I'm going to go to the Orlando Magic, and I'm going to say Jalen Suggs. I just kind of think they have a lot of guards. They sell Fultz. They have this Cole Anthony situation. They just drafted a guard. I just want this kind of for Jalen Suggs because I think either he's, he would be the guy that gets squeezed out of a payday. He's going to be extensional after this upcoming season. And I think that guy is good. I think there's a shooting. Like, obviously, we need to see what the shooting is going to look like and in long term, what he kind of develops in as a shooter. But I believe in this guy's defense. I believe in his size. I believe that this guy can be a 16 game player. I think this guy can absolutely be in the playoffs and be someone that thrives. There's still work to be done there. Um, you know, 32.7% from three is just not good enough as a guard. But he's obviously going to be the guy that gets squeezed. Like, you can see that coming a mile away here. Really good pedigree. Another team, I, and it's at a tough spot at guard, so there's not always like the obvious fits for some of these guys. And at a, at a, at a point in the league where there's a lot of really good guards and a lot of depth at that spot. But I think this is a guy that you get him another situation. You get him a chance that's going to invest in him long term. And I think you could let him grow. And I think it would benefit him. And I think it would kind of clear the way for Orlando to kind of invest minutes into, the guy, into some of the other guys they have, including the guy they just drafted. Yeah. I just see him as, to me, like this, the, the second most deserving of minutes guard on their roster. So, like, I almost would just say he's a guy who should get more minutes but won't, you know? But if they're not going to give him to him, then sure. But, like, why wouldn't they just play him over Cole Anthony and over Joe Ingles and over, you know, even Anthony Black for for now, you know? Like, I think behind Fultz, I, I, like, he, he should just be be right there in the rotation and they they should be prioritizing his value that way. But it doesn't... So yeah, then, trade, then, 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 then trade Anthony, then... Like trade Cole Anthony if that's the case, right? Like I think that's the other thing you you think about. The other thing I would say, Brendan, is if I if I do on the if I really really love Anthony Black, and I think I think they took him, I think they do. I want him to get some of the lumps out of the way and play and be ready for when Paolo's year three, year four, year five comes and you think you're ready to ascend when Franz is ready for that kind of leap, right? Yeah. I think you need to be kind of planning for that now, and I want Anthony Black to play to be ready for that and. Suggs it would be an obstacle to that. And I understand you maybe want to be more competitive this year. Suggs will, would be a part of the equation for you to be more competitive this year. And maybe the answer is just like you trade Cole Anthony, but like I felt Jalen Suggs was a more sexy name to talk about in this in this exercise, right? Yeah, like, I think they should have traded Cole Anthony a while ago. I don't know. I don't know what Cole Anthony is. I like, is Cole. I like Cole. You do? I, I, I like it. I, I think that it's hard to find a fit for him in a good team, but like I sometimes have just a soft spot for like guards that can get buckets like that. Mm-hmm. Like it's just he can be... Like, I mean, Jordan, like, it, it took a while, and he, they're obviously different players. He's not the same size, but, like, Jordan Clarkson was kind of that for a long time, and then he kind of found a little niche for himself in, in Utah. It could just be situation-based and things. Um, and maybe having Rudy Gobert was certainly helpful from a defensive perspective there as well. But I, I just, like, want Jalen Suggs. I think, I think Jalen Suggs are still really good basketball ahead of him, mm-hmm. and him getting to a spot where he could kind of flourish a little more, or, or, or just clear out minutes for him in Orlando to me. I, I'm just into him getting that opportunity. So that, that's my Jalen Suggs answer there. So my next one is the flip side of the Jalen Brown thing that we were talking about. One is the idea of, of trading somebody early, which I guess Jalen Brown sort of wouldn't be at this point. Maybe I got that comparison a little wrong. Um, this one is a little closer. LaMelo Ball. Yeah. I, I, I like this pick because... Um, 
They gave him the money, and you better be really sure he's your franchise guy if you're giving him that money. Oh, see, this is not a belief uh, thing in LaMelo Ball. I, what else are they spending mm. their money on? I, I think he can be sure. a very, very great part of a championship team. It's not about them wasting money on him. They have to get to the salary floor and all that stuff. He's their only really expensive player outside of Gordon Hayward. It's much more of, to me, more teams should do the Chris Porzingis thing of if you're, if the rest of your roster is not ready to win when your star gets to their second contract and that star has significant trade value and a team desires them and will give you a lot of stuff, then roll, roll that star spot over and, and get significant assets back. Continue, continue your rebuild. If, if the timeline doesn't work and prosper like that, that to me feels I know that it's so hard when you finally get one of those guys to give that player up. And I know the Porzingis thing had a lot of baggage. There was the criminal stuff around him at the time. And the relationship seemed to be bad between him and the franchise, which we don't know is the case with the ball and, and, and Charlotte, they just got new ownership. I'm not, not, I'm kind of stripping the context away a little bit to make the point that teams should be okay to say, LaMelo ball and Brandon Miller are not going to be great players ready to win a championship at the same time. So let's not force it. Let's get a, a high first round pick and another couple of great role players or something back for ball. And now try our rebuild over again with Brandon Miller. I mean, we see teams do this in the NFL with quarterbacks now fairly often, and it, it shouldn't be so scary for NBA teams to do the same thing. I don't think you're wrong. I, I'm intrigued by this. I th- and I think if I was another team that could look at LaMelo and absolutely say, this is a guy that in a better environment, in a better organization, a better run organization, we can get more out of him. I don't think that's a cr- that's a crazy thing to say at all. Um, I mean, I, I think, Brendan, I think more times than I'm willing to admit about what his career would look like if he ended up in Golden State. You know, like if they had, if they had picked him instead of Wiseman, it's and like, like one of the biggest. I mean, they won another championship anyway, but that is like one of the biggest what ifs that might go down in, in NBA history is is them making that pick the way they did. They would be a lot less worried right now. Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, and right? then yeah, and like you might like they could have maybe turned Jordan. The tr- maybe Jordan Poole doesn't get paid. Maybe they trade Jordan Poole for not Chris Paul, right? And. Yeah they're loaded up again and it's it's a whole other conversation to me that's that's one of the big what ifs we have that is that of the draft in recent years that is the big what if to me um and look i other team teams would have a good right about this i don't know what like the right fit for Lamelo would be interesting like i i so my my thought was brooklyn or minnesota yeah yeah brooklyn to me like, is, I, is I, the I, one that came to mind it's like what what we like for one millisecond convinced ourselves ben simmons might be able to do when he went there in the in the Harden trade, but but Lamelo could actually do it. Like you just put him out there with their shooters and and Claxton as a role guy. Like whew. for a team that's like allegedly kind of in the Damian Lillard sweepstakes, but not really. Like if somebody like Lamelo ever became available, like that's that's really the thing because he could play off their yeah, wings I, a lot even better than I think Lillard could. Uh, him and Ant together would also would just be filth to me, you know. And then have like like who says? Oh, guy, he's all he's on both of our lists. So I guess I just I'm gonna well he yeah he's on both of our lists. No, yeah he's on both of our lists. Who says no for for Carl Anthony Towns for Lamelo Ball straight up? For like um, whatever's matching salary that the Hornets have. To Minnesota throw has to give more because Towns okay, has already like, been so, paid. He is on a supermax. Yeah, so that's true. Um, 
that's the thing. And and yeah, let's let's get into towns because I can I here's the towns thing. I think if they'd had a I I was listening to John Krasinski on the low posts uh the other day and I kind of made me th- it kind of made me think if they'd had a trade they liked he'd be like somewhere else right now yeah so that's one of the things that i was going to lay out before we uh started this whole thing and one of my guys is a little bit on the fringe of this there's a difference between won't be traded and can't be traded (laughs) you know like there's a difference between the team just being stubborn which is sort of what our lists are trying to get at versus like if there was a good offer they would already be gone type of thing like there's a lot of guy like one of your guys, uh, I think you have labeled that way. And one of your guys, I actually think uh, should be, which we can get to. But Towns might be in okay. that camp too. Maybe I I didn't hear that. him. I didn't hear him talking about it that way. But, I mean, it's just about money really to me. I, as, as is well documented, I am a, I'm a Minnesota Timberwolves truther. And I think, so they were plus 0.4. Townsend Gobert last season, despite no chemistry, no continuity, Cat was injured. That tandem to me, like they're never going to be perfect, but I think in the regular season, they can win with it. And I think maybe there's an upside in the postseason for it to pan out decently. Are they going to win a championship that way? I don't know. I mean, it's way too early. They haven't even, you know, made it to the conference finals or anything yet. But like, this is just going to be untenable by the time that Ant and Jaden McDaniels are on their second contracts with Gobert making what he's making. So it's just sort of like a ticking time bomb money-wise, and why not get out in front of it? Which, maybe it sounds like they tried to. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I I also just, I am not the biggest... I think Towns is like a change of scenery, goes somewhere he could be like the number two perfect candidate to rehabilitate him. I think clearly very talented, clearly very skilled... You know, not the best shooting big man of all time, but like a very good shooting big man. And I think you put him in another space, another organization that can bring something better out of him. I think you'd be better for it. I think it could bring him to new heights. That's, you think so? That's what I, I, see, I don't really think that's a possibility. Well, I think I, he is I, what he I'm, is, I'm, and it might just be like a team that's a little more desperate for it or that well, doesn't I'm, have Rudy Gobert on his team. But like, I don't think sure, Towns but, is going to like turn into another guy personally. I tend to agree with you more than not, right? But I make, I mean, I think that's the case you're making if you're another team. If you're Charlotte, if you're, you know, Sacramento doesn't need to know, but like a different version of Sacramento, if Portland in a different life, if like Detroit got real weird and we're going to talk themselves into something like this, that's how you do it. You would say, this guy can really shoot it. He needs to be in a better organization. He needs to have a coach that that's gonna kind of maybe hold him accountable on defense, yeah. and he needs a lead ball handler that that has already kind of superseded him, a veteran that can really push him in a certain way, right? I think that's what this is about. I think that's the the argument you would make if you're gonna look at Cat and say I can rehabilitate the guy and make him live up to the value of his contract and win with him. That's the argument you would tell yourself that you you can fix him. Now, does that often work? No, but would you tell yourself that maybe it could? Yes. Yeah, as much as I think the the Gobert trade from a player fit standpoint is not as bad as it's been, been made out to be, even though the value of that trade was atrocious, I do also like love the idea of what it could have been look what it could have looked like to keep Vanderbilt, have a real great backup in in Kessler, and just let a a lineup of, you know, Ant, Vanderbilt, Jaden McDaniels, and some sort of point guard 
with Kessler backing Towns up as a little bit of support system behind him. Like, I would have just loved to see them build on that first round appearance and and close series against Memphis without hitting the panic button. My last question on Towns, though, do you think there's any re- like truth to the idea that the uncertainty around Embiid is limiting what Minnesota? what interest Minnesota can get on a Towns trade? Because I thought about that today when I was thinking about, like, why has he not gotten dealt or who might be interested? Like, if teams kind of know, hey, in the not-too-distant future, Embiid might be available, like, why would you trade for the next five years guaranteed that Towns already has? Yeah, and I think right now, a lot of teams would be telling themselves they they could be in the Embiid race, even if that isn't realistic. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's reasonable. And the, and the- like I'd rather wait out for five percent chance at an MVP than go all in for Towns right now. You know, I, I don't think that's crazy to do. Yeah, or I would wait. Like honestly, like in a, in let's say in a year, like the Donovan Mitchell's like, yeah, I'm not signing the extension, but the Knicks do something else. Mm-hmm. I would rather like trade stuff for Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, sure. Even that is like or the or pick, different position, pick, but pick that's other true too, yeah. like right. But I'm saying there's other like star guys that I think yeah. might come available that you could just be like, yeah, I'd rather get that guy than Carl. Mm-hmm. I think it's fair. Do you want to go to a, another center on your list that you told me I don't have to talk about, but we can? <laughs> I, look, this is just this is just my this Brendan. This is just like you're. Uh, I'm I'm just not a DeAndre Aiden guy at this point. I'm just real skeptical of of where this is going with him. Mm-hmm. If I if I could find a trade for him to get like and this again, this trade just might not exist. Well, that's I think the that's thing. maybe what the market. That's the thing. That's part of why he's a should be traded, but won't all start because like there might just not be a, a reasonable trade for him that makes sense for for either team, mm-hmm. but the Suns case in particular, I would just be trying to to use his salary for like a, a cheap center and like another wing as at all costs if I possibly could. Well, so the offer that was out there from Dallas, according to Mark Stein, was Tim Hardaway Jr., Rashawn Holmes, and Javale McGee. I'm out on that. I don't want that. This so, doesn't do it for me. Like. Hardaway Jr. is like a bad defender, and like you have, you got other wings. So I like just Eric cooked. Gordon's better. That's really, what it is. Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon's better. Eric Gordon's better than him, and you got him for nothing. Well, they didn't have Eric Gordon when that trade offer. Okay, was but on uh, the but table. Uh, but I'm but okay, but you you got Eric Gordon, who's better. Like I would trust that process over not. And then like it's Javale who like didn't play last year and is capped at like twenty minutes, and Rashawn Holmes who didn't play last year. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think if this, I think the Suns agree with you. I think they would have loved to trade him. They were actually early to it before I think anybody. They they allegedly explored trades for him after the finals in 2021. Then they almost traded him for Demontis Sabonis in 2022. Then they didn't want to extend him last year or give him a new contract. And almost, you know, were were searching high and low for signing trades until they their hand was forced by the Pacers. So, I think that they absolutely would love to trade him. I just think his value is precarious to say it nicely. But on this team this year. He's pretty irreplaceable, all things considered. If if the if the next best they could do is freaking Rashawn Holmes, you know, he's 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 their best bet to do things that are necessary for a team to win a title. You know, it's easier said than done to find that replacement level center. I think, um, yeah, I don't know what what the the problem is that a lot of teams did better with their second contract for their centers, so the market has been set and he's above it. Like Wendell Carter, Robert Williams, Clint Capella, these guys that have gotten you know second and third contracts below twenty million dollars. It's like even Isaiah Hartenstein, Mitchell Robinson. There's so many examples of guys that make so much less than him that it's like, why would you trade for him unless you're just desperate like the Mavs? Yeah, you really needed. I like you really kind of maybe needed to try to get a sign and trade out of the 
the Pacers last year before this happened, got Miles Turner out of it, and you'd, you'd probably be in a better position. You would be in a better position. Well, Miles Turner belongs on the list that I just listed off, right? He's already paid, and he pay, makes less than that. So I think like Miles Turner's just better value straight up. I, I wouldn't have done that if I was Indiana. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, that guy, you got to just you gotta dream, you know? I think the Hawks one was the one that always jumped out to me last summer. If you could have gotten Capella and like the pick that became A.J. Griffin, like that would have been really nice. Um, again, dreaming. All right, my last one, or uh, next one, Clay Thompson. I think I should have done this sooner than 70 minutes into the podcast because it's uh, another nah, juicy I, I, one. I, look, I just, we can make this a YouTube pull-up because that, that's how the, this will work and we, we'll, people will consume this as a short. But uh, So this, this is, is the spicy, one, though, brother. Chris, that Clay Thompson, to me, it belongs on the should-be-traded-but-won't-be-all-stars, but I think he's closer to can't-be-traded. Expiring $43 million contract, and I just don't know if he's valuable enough to make sense in a deal for anybody based on last postseason. Um, so, like, if I'm Golden State, I look long and hard at using him as the matching salary for a bigger trade. That's probably the main utility that he has at this point in time is going and getting somebody great without having to give up Steph for Draymond or Wiggins who make a lot of money for you. And Chris Paul, who probably isn't even, you know, good enough to, to make it to that. So, again, we talked about Carl Anthony Towns. Could, could that type of trade work? The Pelicans for Brandon Ingram. I'm not quite sure if the value maps out. Toronto for Siakam. You add the young guys, Kaminga, Moody, some of the picks, which the Warriors actually have a decent amount of. Use the $43 million that Clay's making. Upgrade that spot. Go all in. Use his salary before it's off your books. That's like the ideal, but it's Clay Thompson. He won four rings for you. He went through injuries. I don't know if it's realistic. I am... Boy, this this is just like it's just like he would be one of those guys. Hall of Fame doesn't look right in this other jersey. Guy, right? Like that that that's what this would be. Um, do you think that they pay him next summer? Because that's a big question that you would have to factor. I don't in. Or, think. Or what I, do they pay him? I don't think they can pay him for a contract that's at what he's at now or a raise. More or less you know? than what they just gave Draymond. What did Draymond? What did, what did you know? Side by head with Draymond's like AAV is twenty five between twenty five and thirty million a year. I could see it. I could see twenty three to twenty five in that range. Mm-hmm. And you just say like, "Hey, you've done a lot for us. Like we treat our guys well, and we're gonna go out on, go out on our shield with you, Steph and Dre." I mean, they already gave him the thank you contract. They paid him when he was hurt. You know, like, I, I don't know if it's, I don't know the details of their, like, obviously, uh, whatever would go on between the two parties, but I have to imagine that Clay would be understanding of, like, you're going to get rewarded for being a starting caliber wing on a good team, mm-hmm. but you're not getting some sort of godfather money just because you have done things for us. We already We already did that for you. Now you're getting properly compensated you know what i mean and i I don't know but that version of events is not terrible he was better than like i think he wasn't as good as like what we think of clay thompson as being he wasn't even as good as he was in 2022 but he was fine he took 10 threes a game and made close to 40 percent of them last year during the regular season and he played like 70 games so like this is not some sort of broken carcass of a player 
No, it, but there. I mean, there is like an overall field goal percentage drop on on twos that is not nothing. And I think that if he's not the same defensive player anymore, he wasn't for he one playoff not. run. But would you have said that after they won the championship? I mean, he's not as the same as he was like pre multiple catastrophic injuries. But I just mean he was passable when they won the title. Just last year, he dropped off. So why can't he bounce back to twenty twenty two? No, that's fair. I think that's possible. I think I th- I don't know how culturally like or like. PR wise, you could trade him more than anything else. I think like, I could get the basket. You could talk me into this basketball wise, mm-hmm. and some other team. You could just be like, "Hey, you got Clay Thompson. You get to like, so you got Clay Thompson." Like yeah. we've seen those kinds of shit happens before. It's like the PR and like locker room part of this. Like, could you could you imagine the Dream on Green podcast episode after a Clay Thompson trade? <laughs> Clay would be on it. Yeah, Clay's absolutely on it, and they're just like trashing Mike Dunleavy for like an hour. You know what I mean? Like Isn't that's it what so would bizarre that Mike Dunleavy is just the GM of that team now. It's it's wild. Um, look, yeah, we're I, like we're in a world, Brendan, where like guys that we grew up kind of watching in yeah. a lot of ways or like in his case for me, like I covered him for like a, like a, mm. a blip. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in one of like the most insane like pregame video. Like, I'll send it to you, but he's in one of the most insane pregame like hype videos or like team hype videos that I like it feels like it had to be made in like the late nineties. Um, and I couldn't believe that like this came out in like I like twenty sixteen, something like that, twenty fourteen. Like mm-hmm. it's nuts, but like yeah, I, I I don't know how like yes, we're gonna this isn't a guy that has had the same like relationship in the same way that like Bob Myers did, but like can you like how do you even like sell it to the locker? How do you go to Steph and be like, Hey man, we traded Clay? We got like some seconds. Well, what you, that's why I said it. No, you don't get a, some seconds. What you do, and the only reason I bring it up is to use his salary before it's off your books to go get a superstar. I'm not saying to dump him. That would be stupid. It would be just, stupid from a basketball standpoint too because you need him. You, they don't have a deep team. Like Even whatever he is now is better than nothing. So I'm not, I'm not saying just get rid of the guy. I'm saying... What, if you what star went to should the they Raptors, prioritize they're going to do this? I listed three, but if you went to the Raptors and you said... We'll send you Clay, Moody, and two future top five protected first round picks for Pascal Siakam. Like you're in the you're in the you're in the room. You're on the short list that they're calling back as negotiations take place, I would say. I think it's the I think the level of stars is the tricky part to gauge here. Cause I think you it to do this, you gotta go like aim really high. And I wonder what the best package you could get with what they could offer is. Like what? Like would you would like would Toronto do that for Siakam? Well, I just yeah. I mean, I said that they would be in the room at least. Would Portland's not doing that? You don't need a guard. The three that I said were Towns, Ingram, and Siakam. I'm just trying to think of like beyond Ingram. Like okay, like would they do for Zion? The the Pelicans would absolutely never do that. No. It's not even close to what they would need for Zion. They wanted Scoot Henderson for Zion and couldn't even go for it. They're not going to take you know, Moses Moody. Yeah, I, it's tough. Like it's, my... it's not easy. Um, but I just think it's something that's not getting talked about enough. And I think this season it will be a storyline. What is the future of Clay Thompson with the Warriors? What are the contract outlines of, of what they might offer him starting to take shape as? And how does that affect... The culture this past year was Draymond, but he played awesome. So it didn't really become a problem. If Clay is not, you know, continues to deteriorate or gets benched or whatever it might be, then it gets a little uglier. And I think 
right now would be a perfect time to cash in before that any of that happens and do it. But it won't happen, which is the spirit of this list. I'm trying to think if there's a, a king's trade I would do because Vivek like used to be the part owner. Like Sabonis is ironically like an awesome fun fit with the Warriors, but him and Draymond would <laughs> murder one another. So probably not. Yeah, it would. Be, I'm great. saying it, like it, like it, like would you do? Could you get like two picks, Herder and Monk, and just like it would just be hilarious to think of. I'm already on the Sabonis thing. That might be a fine trade. Uh, the one that you said, but the idea of Draymond, they're like you get your money. But you have to play with Chris Paul and DeMontis Sabonis, two of the people that you've feuded with the most uh, over the past five or so years of your career. And, and that is your uh, having your cake and eating it too, but also getting it taken away. I don't know what the metaphor would be, but but that is your punishment for uh, giving us so much crap over the you're, years. You're, you have you're, to play you're with putting, those you're putting Draymond Green in like a steel cage WWE match when you, if you do that is it's what you're doing. Yeah, pretty much. All right, I have one more. Uh, and I'll just empty mine out and then you can go. Uh, DeMar DeRozan. I don't have a ton to say because this is the one that was to me a little bit more on the can't be traded list because I just don't fully know what the who would want him. I have a few ideas. He's expiring $29 million, so you're leaving yourself open to him just walking next summer. I don't think he has a ton of value, but I think he has enough value that I would try to cash in on that now. We've talked about Chicago a lot. I don't think Levine is tradable with the injury history and the years left and the money. They just brought back Vucevic, so they've already decided on on that particular star. So if they want to look toward the future, I think they should just deal DeRozan and, and start to reset things. I had New York for Julius Randle and some assets. I had a backup plan for Miami if they, for some reason, did not get Damian Lillard. And I had Detroit who's a little bit trying to win now. And I think DeMar and Kate are actually compatible. You could get like a first round pick from them with like the Marvin Bagley and Alec Burke salaries uh, with Detroit. Like you're, you're not getting something great, but if I could even get a good first round pick or a good young player back for DeRozan from somebody, I would seriously explore doing that now and start to slowly reset my team around whatever the next version is going to be. That won't include DeMar DeRozan. I have Zach Levine on this on my list for similar reasons. I you know I, I think there's a lot of risk in trading from. He's also going to be someone that's going to want a ton of money coming up, and like what that looks like on his injury stuff is really tricky. Like I I tried to find fake trades for him, and it, it was really hard. Um, and Brennan broadly with the Bulls, I think with the Rose and with Levine, if I'm them, I'm trying to think pivot off of them and just say we got we got to do something different here and just start from the studs and that maybe that bring, brings back Ayu Desuma, you know, yeah, Pat Williams still 21, maybe Vooch is just like the vet you have around to eat minutes and make shots for you and be a guy you can, you know, put in marketing material or whatever. But I think, think these Vooch are the two guys that, tickets. I love that idea. You got somebody in Chicago looks up and they just see like a banner of Nikola Vucevic along some street <laughs> in downtown Chicago and they're like, "Dad, can we go?" Like Yeah. Some kid do you know what I love? I love a mid thirties big guy just popping for threes. Dad, that's 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 for me as a child. You know, I have Screw an idea for TikTok. Levine. Okay, hit me. The Pacers. Sure. Yeah. Um, Buddy Heald, Daniel Tice. Okay. And like one of their young guys gets you there, basically. Rick. Also, for us, for us getting to watch that, Rick Carlisle coaching Zach Levine is awesome content. 
I never know what to make of the the Carlisle stuff. Like, does he love coaching Buddy Heald any more than he would love coaching Zach Levine? I mean, I'm just, I'm just no. I don't, I don't know one or the other. I'm just saying it would be interesting. That's it. Yeah. Well, I just think like if you're just talking about upgrading the Buddy Heald spot at a pretty minimal cost, Zach Levine's just like a great version of Buddy Heald. I mean, he just like the best thing about Zach Levine is his shooting. And then from there, it's like the athleticism, the dribbling ability, all that stuff. But hey, equally good shooter with some other stuff. And all you got to do is give up, you know, Daniel Tice and one of your young players. Like, okay, I could be talked into it. Very offensively yeah. inclined backcourt, though. That, that'd that be the problem there. You know, Halliburton and, and Levine. Yeah. A lot of pressure on Turner to, to really throw. I just think the Bulls are in a rut, and this is the way out of the rut. Yeah, I don't think Zach Levine's um, tradable. I don't, I don't either. Um, I'm Brendan, there's one guy on my list I, I want to save because I want us to unpack what this team does once they trade this certain forward we've mentioned a couple of times. So I'm going to table him and I want to end on Paul George. Yeah, I I, I don't think he's pretty hard about putting him on. I just I think the Clippers. They have this stadium thing. We've the arena thing. We've heard a ton hanging over them that they're not going to be bad when they go to this new arena. Mm hmm. I don't think you could trade Kawhi because I don't think any team any team can be like we can we we we're ready we're equipped to deal with this. Even a team like maybe like the Bucks could be like sure because like we have Giannis and we could try or like some team really desperate could be like yeah we can try but lots of, any teams that would give you real stuff are not going to be inclined to trade for Kawhi Leonard considering the injury stuff and considering I don't think teams know what they're getting personality wise right I think that's that's a real thing there. I think with Paul George, still a guy that I think he's either two or a three on a really good team market, regardless, I think could really contribute to winning. You can manage his minutes a little bit differently. And I think they just are in a spot where I think the Clippers should be trying to recoup some stuff and really retool here a little bit. Um, they're in a spot where I think like they, yes, they have the arena coming. I think in, to some degree, they're like, they're obviously the second team in LA and Balmer's really rich. So like money's not always an object for them, but I kind of think sometimes they need to act like a small market team. That's in a big market with lots of money. And like, this is one of those moments where I might do that. I might be like, Paul George, thank you for your service. I don't know what this means for Kawhi. I don't know if I care that much. Maybe he gets like, whatever, we'll figure it out. But I would trade Paul George for some stuff to a team that could, that could really use him. And, and I think you get some decent value back right now if you did it too. So if they're keeping Kawhi and not doing like a full sale teardown, then why why do they need to trade Paul George? I just think I'm getting I just would want to get a little bit out of ahead of what's coming here is all is my whole thought process here. Player because I just think they're staring at and the extension stuff yeah. and like there there's just a barrel of like really bleak stuff coming when this if they don't pivot in some way. Like they're just gonna unless they just like hire a bunch of one-year mercenaries on big deals or something or absorb contracts of guys that are maybe overpaid that other teams don't want, and that's how they get to like respectability. They're staring down the barrel of something really complicated, and Paul George is the trade ticket to at least get some stuff back that you can move forward with. Yeah, I think that they're just so right now too far all in to unwind it, and they might not have the luxury of, I, of getting yeah. out of that, right? Like Because next summer, he could decline his player option to become a free agent. It could be over that quickly. Mm -hmm. A year, less than a year from now, 11 months from now, it could all be gone. So I totally get the, the ticking time. We'll know more as the extension talks continue. They're both eligible now. So uh, maybe this gets, uh, you know, figured out and, and develops in a way that's helpful to them. But I just look at 
even though some of these guys are expiring, Norman Powell, Marcus Morris, Nicholas Batum, Robert Covington, Ivica Zubats, like those are not players you have on your roster when you want to tear it down. And like, I know those things can develop quickly, but I would want to, like, I, 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 that's why I've liked the idea of like, can you turn a couple of those guys into Brogdon? Can you turn a couple of those guys into Harden? Because even if you don't keep Harden, Kawhi, and George together, for the next five years or something, which of course their age would tell you they can't do, you're at least sort of consolidating and and releasing yourself from like the all in, you know, 15 guys making 10 plus million dollar weird roster cap mm-hmm. situation that they put themselves in. So it's almost like they're too, they're too deep in this, but to your point, the timing would suggest like that might, they might just be screwed. I mean, there, there might not be a solution there. Yeah, look, I I think you're probably right that the unwinding part of this is just really tricky. Um, I just just tend to think that I would be trying to unwind this if I can and really think about a pivot. I I don't know if this is the team that is going to like... If you said like five-year outlook of the bleakest outlooks of things just going wrong, the Clippers to me would have to be high up there in terms of things just looking really bad in like five years. And this this is part of why. It just, it just, it's like you're yeah. staring on the barrel of something really tricky to, to navigate, I think, especially if you're, again, if a team that wants to, like, not put in something tough here. It's not great. It's not, it's definitely not great. I guess I just look forward to the, the cap flexibility that they're going to have and the fact that they're willing to spend. And it's like, it's not going to get terrible. A lot of it would just depend on how much you can get back for Paul George, I think, right? I mean, yeah, and like I, I think you, I that's the other part of it. It's like I think if another team is calling you, they're going to say this is a rental. Mm-hmm. He's going to opt out. Why should we give you real, real stuff for him? And that that maybe means he's not tradable. Maybe just saying you gave Alice for him and Kawhi, and we need to give them one more run and trust it and, and hope it works out this time. Fingers crossed. Maybe that's enough too. I mean, I, that's not a fun pill to swallow if you're the Clippers, but I, I could get why you would do it. Yeah, they have their... Uh, they have a swap with Oklahoma City... In well, so they owe their pick this year. They have the swap in twenty five. Then they owe their pick in twenty twenty six, and then they're out from the from the PG trade. So the end is in sight. Um, but yeah, they made their bed with guys who proved to be uh, unreliable. Not great. They could also like win the it's championship. There. You know, I I I don't I don't think so, but uh, maybe maybe. Maybe. All right. I'm Chris Manning. That's Brendan Clean. This has been the Just Basketball Show for Tuesday, July 27th. Back at you next week. Talk some WNBA. We have an, of a guest, a re- returning guest lined up to talk about WNBA. I think that episode is going to come out on Tuesday. And we're getting closer and closer to the NBA season. We're going to have some commissioners cover WNBA coverage when that comes up in a couple weeks. A lot of big stuff planned here. Please go support our friends in homage. Click the link so when it comes back to support the show. Thanks again to Jake Stevens and Dylan Heiser for their work on production. Back at you next week. Enjoy the hoops and the Women's World Cup, too. It's pretty great. Bye.